But we're just delighted to be here. And uh, when I saw the dancers, there's two things that got me excited about coming. And when I saw the dancers on Friday night, I told Cheryl, I said, we're going to be in good company. And uh, because, I mean, they did a dance that was right up our alley that we had heard uh, before and seen before. But I always love to see it again. And uh, and then when Keith told me we were eating this afternoon, that got me really excited, too, about being here. Because I love southern cooking. And, uh, and I hope you don't pull out any Yankee stuff here this afternoon. The what? You might? Where are you from? Boston. We, we will forgive you, and, and if you want to get saved today, you know. <laughs> I kind of like the light. Now, where's Ken at? The old man he talks about has to go to bed early. Is there, okay, there he is right there. Did you take exception to that? I did, because my name is Ken. You know? And I think we ought to baptize this guy after the meeting today. Um, I want Cheryl to stand if she would. She's my, uh, she's my newest wife. Uh, I'm just kidding now, okay? We've been married 36 years and, uh, <laughs> we have four kids and five grandkids and uh, we haven't seen any of them for two weeks now. We're looking forward to getting back home on Wednesday and, uh, and seeing them and loving on them for a few days before we head back out again. And uh, it's just been an awesome, awesome week um, to partner with. God has spoke to us a few years ago about aligning the states of Alabama, Florida, and Georgia in covenant connection uh, for kingdom purpose. And uh, and then it, once we did that last May in Dothan, uh, God immediately spoke to us and said, we've got to bring South Carolina in. So this weekend we brought South Carolina into the mix and our whole plan and purpose of doing that, we feel like is God's plan and purpose, is to uh, uh, bring the glory of God and, and the kingdom of God into the southeast of our nation, thereby affecting the entire nation. And uh, So I believe that we're going to do it and uh, I, I feel real good and comfortable about what the Lord has given me to say here this morning. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to talk to you. Are we recording this now? Uh, I'm going to share with you about how to get the prophetic promises that have been released over you and been released over this house, how to get them activated, how to get them to come to pass. Many people receive prophetic words or they get prophetic promises come to them and they, they, they spend their whole life without having those prophetic words fulfilled. Now we have to remember that it's not God's fault that they didn't get fulfilled. Because God told the nation of Israel, I'm going to take you into Canaan land. But the first group that came out of Egypt did not make it into Canaan land because they did not believe the prophetic promise that God had given to them. So God had to raise up a generation who would believe his promise and not hesitate at his word and activate that and get that to come to pass. Make it happen. Look at somebody and say, we're going to make it happen today. <clears throat> See, I, I, I was sitting there doing worship. By the way, the worship team did an awesome job. I'm an old guitar player. I love your, your guitar playing. I love the keyboard playing. Um, I, I just felt right at home. And um, but, I, but the Lord began speaking to me about this region, about this area, that there are some promises that he has released into Jessup, Georgia, 
some promises he has released into this place and into this house and to you that have not been fulfilled yet. And I really sense that God wants to put this part of Georgia on what I call the map of awakening. And, uh, and, and we need to get over this mentality that we have that we're just a little bitty place in Georgia. We, we've got to get over that because this little bitty place could become the catalyst that brings a great awakening to the whole state of Georgia. And so you need to see yourself the way that God sees yourself. And I'm going to, I'll probably tell several stories today. I'm going to tell one right now. Um, back in 2003, I was in a meeting in Miami, Florida, and we were talking about bringing the city of Miami to the Lord. And how could we do that? And God spoke to me and said, I want you to come in covenant with this person, a certain person, for Miami and for Florida to see God come into that part of the state. And so I came and made covenant with this person, and she immediately took a ring out of her purse and gave this ring to Cheryl and I. When that happened, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said something that took, it kind of caught me off guard. And he said to, he said to her, I want you and Cheryl to give her your wedding band. And so I went to my wife and I said, this is what I feel like the Lord told me. And I said, I, I am not going to give this thing away without your permission. And, and see, I always go, when God says something to me, this is very important, I always take it to my wife first before I do something like that. That keeps me safe, keeps me within my boundaries, and keeps her from getting mad with me. And if she says, I don't feel the Lord's on that, then I just won't do it. Because I could either be missing it, or it might not be the right timing. And so I went to her, and I, and I said, you know, we can get another wedding band. I said, besides, I'd like to have some with some stones in it. And uh, she said, okay. And so we give this wedding band to this lady, she and I together, as covenant for Florida. And so time passes by. It comes November of 2003, and we still don't have, I still haven't bought a wedding band. We just, it wasn't that we couldn't afford it, we just had not gone out and done it. We procrastinated, but there was a reason God had us procrastinating in this particular instance. And I was back in Miami, and Cheryl was with me. And we're in a Hispanic church, Peter Wagner's holding a conference, and Cindy Jacobs is speaking. And Cindy Jacobs reaches down in her pocket and pulls out a man's wedding band. And she says, I've just returned from Argentina. And she says, I've been traveling to Argentina for 13 years, and the first time in 13 years they took up an offering for me. And in this offering was a man's wedding band. She says it's a size 10 and a half. And she says, I feel like I'm supposed to give this to some man here. Cheryl and I are sitting on the second row. Cindy knows us. And um, she uh, said, is there anybody here who hasn't been able to find a, get a wedding band? And nobody got up, and I looked at Cheryl. I said, let's just wait a few minutes. I said, there's probably somebody here that can't afford it, and because and, uh, it was in a Hispanic community. And, and so we waited. 
Cindy preaches for a while, and then she pulls this wedding band out again and said, I feel like there's a man here that I'm supposed to give this wedding band to. And so finally, I raised my hand, and she says, Ken, why don't you have a wedding band? So I come up and I tell the story I just told you. And she began to prophesy over me. She said, the Lord spoke to me and told me that the man who gets this wedding band is going to have the spirit of the Argentine revival on them. Now, I'm telling you that story to tell you that And when you were worshiping today, I felt like that we're not here by accident. I felt like that God was saying, you're going to leave a deposit of the Argentine revival in this place. And in Jessup, Georgia, I've never been to Argentina. But it was God saying to me, now, see, I, I told Cindy after I got up off the floor, because I, when she prophesied over me, I must have been down for 30 minutes. I kept trying to get back up and weeping and crying, and I couldn't get up. But when I finally got up, she says, wow, that was awesome. And I began telling her, I said, nobody knows that I've been praying for the Argentine revival to come to this nation. Nobody but my wife. And she says, I don't believe that. But God does. God, God knew. And that's why he had me those, those six months not to get a wedding band. Because he had plans that I didn't know anything about. And I feel like that God is saying, I'm going to do something in this city, in this region, that's literally going to place this region on the map of awakening. And it's literally going to boggle the mind of those within this city. And you need to get ready, and you need to begin to, to look to the future. For what God is saying is in the very near future, that I'm going to begin to shake this place I'm going to begin to bring and release a spirit of revival within this region that's going to be unprecedented and literally going to shake the core of this city. It's going to shake the mayor's office. It's going to shake the city council office. It's going to shake the school system. It's going to shake every, it's going to shake the, 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 uh, the, the sheriff's department within this region. The military that surrounds this region is even going to shake them. You just need to get ready. You need to get ready. So what I'm telling you is going to happen. There, there, not only that, but there's an open heaven over this place, and especially this house. And you really need to continue to cultivate, but you need to set watchmen over this house. You need to set watchmen over this city, because if you are not to set watchmen, the enemy could come in and try to destroy what you, God has set up here. Remember, the enemy is the enemy. He wants to work against you. And so you need to, and you're going to need to watch your, and, and I'm telling you, I'm just prophesying to you right now. You need to watch your attitude. And you need to get your attitude submitted to God. Submitted to Him. And, and even though it goes against the old southern boy nature, and I'm from the south, my original home place is Alabama. So I know all about how we are. And we need to submit our attitudes unto God, and we need to, and, and just begin to love each other regardless of our faults. We need to quit fault-finding. I didn't plan on going here today. But we, we need to quit fault-finding with one another. We need to quit looking at other people's mistakes and, and looking at our good intentions. Are you with me? We look at everybody else's mistakes, but only look at our good intentions. We don't look at our mistakes. 
Their intentions are just as good as yours are. Now, I want you to jump with me in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to get some prophecies and promises fulfilled in this place. This is where the Holy Spirit through Paul begins to issue a command to his son Timothy concerning the prophecies that were made to him. Now, I want us to read this. This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may fight the good fight. Say, fight the good fight. Now, see, southern boys love to fight, okay? But now that we've been saved and filled with the Spirit of God, we're going to fight in a different way. Amen? We're going to war from the Spirit and not from the flesh. This is the way it says it in the King James. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that by them thou mightest war a good warfare. Now, I want to look at several words here because it's important that you get these words in order to see your promises fulfilled. And the first one is the word charge or command. It's a very important word that we overlook in this verse of Scripture many, many times. I overlooked it for several years, but about two years ago when I began, God began downloading to me about this word here, He began to show me there's two of the most important words here were the words command and then the words previously made concerning you, the prophecy previously made. And I never had seen this before, and he began to give me a download. This this word command in the Greek or charge in the Greek is paraaglia, and it actually means a charge by apostles, a proclamation, a command, or an apostolic charge. The The... It's a, a compound word. Para is, is the first part of that word, meaning near or nearby. It has the meaning of being out or from. It also expresses motion. Say, expresses motion. See, whenever you and I begin to receive a prophetic word, we need to begin thinking about how do we get this word into motion? How do we get this word activated? What many times we do when we get a prophetic promise given to us, we set it on a shelf. And when you set it on a shelf, most of the time, it never comes to pass, even though God has given that to us because we place it there and we say, well, if the Lord is in it, it'll come to pass. Remember what I said when I started. The children of Israel received a promise to go to Canaan land, but the first group didn't go, even though they had a prophetic word. God wanted to bring it to pass, but they couldn't because they didn't activate the word with faith. That's what the scripture says. The word aglia, the second part of that word, means message related to a messenger or to announce or to proclaim. It is a word that is not of nature but of office. And the Holy Spirit, this is how the Greek defines it, places great definition, great exclamation on this word. If you could, if you could put this word command with an exclamation mark in the middle of that sentence, that's how emphatic the Holy Spirit is bringing that word to us. The word charge, our command. It's a very, very important word there. And that he's saying to Timothy, the Holy Spirit is, he's saying, this is a charge, an apostolic charge that I'm giving you. If you want to see your prophecies fulfilled, this is what you're going to have to do. Now, I want to tell you a story of, of a man that I know. He's a son in the Lord. 
He lives up in Atlanta, Georgia now, but when he became my son in the Lord, he lived down in Central Florida where we live. I first met this guy in Teen Challenge when I first moved to Florida. I first moved there and began pastoring a church there. I taught once a week in Teen Challenge, sometimes twice a week, uh, teaching on deliverance, but also on how to disciple the men to walk out and how to be crucified with Christ. And I met this guy by the name, oh, I can't call his name, I just I promise not to do that, but I can tell the story. Thank you. And he had held up a convenience store with a butcher knife or a hunting knife so that he could get drugs. And and why he didn't go to jail for this armed robbery, I don't know, but the judge sentenced him to teen challenge. Now, God knows why. So he and I met, and he went through teen challenge for 14 months, and when he got out, he became part of our congregation. Now, when when he got out... That was not the end of his fight with the enemy because he continued to go into drug addiction, alcoholism. There's been many times I've gone to bars and gotten him out of the bars at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and take him home to his wife and his two kids at the time. And he's still still married to the same woman. Kids are living in Jacksonville now. And I just, I don't know why this is the only person I've ever done this for. I kept going back after this guy. Again and again and again. And finally, after about three or four years of this continual addiction, he was in the church one Sunday morning, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke into him, and I prophesied to him, and I said, Today you're going to know that your sins have been forgiven you. He had never been able to walk in an attitude of having been forgiven. And so that shame always haunted him, and he kept going back and doing the old things out of the old man. That day he broke and deliverance came to him. Now, at that point, he began to grow in the Lord. And there was a lot of things that I was able to help him move into, and a lot of things the Holy Spirit began prophesying to him. And I remember prophesying to him, I said, there's going to come a time in your life where the things that have dogged you in the past and the things that have followed you are going to be done and over with, and God is going to promote you, and you're going to be making over $100,000 a year in salary. I remember him telling me just recently, because we went up to visit. So I always go and visit my sons and daughters in the Lord, no matter where they move to. And I went up to, we went up to visit, and we started talking about this. And he said, I remember when you prophesied this to me. He said, Ken, you were prophesying a man making a six-figure income who was a diesel mechanic and who was a drug addict, had been a drug addict and alcoholic and womanizer. And he said, when you prophesied that, there's no way that I thought the Lord would ever do that. And I remember going to his house one day and prophesying to him. I said, you're going to move. And I said, this move is from the Lord. Now, that's hard for us daddy, spiritual daddy, to tell his son he's going to be moving. But I went to his home and I said, you're going to be moving. And so he did. First moved to Lake City, Florida. And then a few years ago, he got a call from the second largest heavy equipment company in the world. and said, we want you to come work for us. You're going to be one of our salesmen and one of our sales trainers. And he went to work for the second largest heavy equipment company in the world. And my understanding from him when I visited him a few months ago 
is now the largest heavy equipment company in the world. And it's not who you think. And uh, he said, I'm making over a hundred grand a year now. And I got to thinking, I got to talk with him, I said, how did this happen? How did this come about to where you began walking in that prophetic word you released? He said, Ken, he said, the only thing I can tell you is that we worked hard to get here. I want to say that again. We worked hard to get here. See, there's a four-letter word in this doesn't is not said much in the church because we don't like that four-letter word, and it's called W-O-R-K. But that's how he got to that place. But it fulfilled a prophecy. Now, the word prophecy is in this scripture. And it's propheteo in the Greek means to foretell things to come, to tell truths through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, what you need to see is what God has spoken into Jessup, Georgia, is a truth that has been spoken by the Holy Spirit. Not just been spoken by a man, but it's been spoken by the Spirit of God. And I sense on this region the destiny of God. I sense destiny on this region in this area called Jessup. I got to ask somebody, what is the Liberty Trail? The Liberty Trail. Back up here around on 84, around Midway somewhere, is some place called the Liberty Trail. What is that? Historic. It's a historic sign. Don't know. You need to find out because it's tied into the destiny of Georgia. I'm not sure. There's got to be something because the Liberty Bell is on the sign. And there's got to be something about the Liberty Bell. The, the reason I'm asking this, I know that the Liberty Bell, after the Civil War, was put on a train and then when it went to certain cities, put on a cart and taken around to cities within the South because it became a voice and a sound to begin to unite the Union again. And I need to know if the, if the Liberty Trail was a trail where the Liberty Bell came down through. Because I got a feeling that it is. Anybody know? Okay. Hey, Google, man, I like this technology, don't you? <laughs> right in the middle of a sermon, we just go Google, find out what God is saying about the Liberty Trail in Georgia. <laughs> this is awesome. Okay, I, I need to read that too because I, 
Anything about the Liberty Bell I just love. And I don't know if I have time to tell that story. It's a story maybe for another time. But I have a Jeep Liberty out there that God gave me. I mean, literally gave me. I parked it by whoever's Jeep Liberty that is out there. Okay. I, I told Cheryl, I said, we're going to be in company. Good company. There's another red Jeep Liberty. We're going to park right beside it. But God literally gave that to me in 2003 because I was taking a desktop Liberty Bell about this tall. And I was driving around Florida. And I was proclaiming Leviticus 25.10, Liberty throughout all the land and to all the inhabitants thereof. And God told me to do a, a US-1 prayer tour. And call it the US-1 Liberty Prayer Tour. And I did that starting in Key West, Florida, all the way to the St. Mary's River on US-1. Actually, the St. Mary's River has a Liberty Bell I threw into it in the river there, a little small one. And um, But the way all that came about on July 3rd, one day before our day of freedom, my bank called me up and said, is this Mr. Malone? I said, yes, it is. She said, is this Kenneth Malone? I said, yes, it is. She said, Mr. Malone, you just want a brand new Jeep Liberty. And see, she didn't know I had planned that, that Liberty Prayer Tour. And we started the zero mile mark and went all the way to Georgia, deposited little small Liberty Bells in each city that we went through. And, uh, and I can tell you another whole story about how I went to uh, Philadelphia. God told us to go to Philadelphia. And that when I got there, that I would touch the Liberty Bell. There would be an impartation for me. And, uh, and so... Uh, Dutch had invited me. So I, I didn't know that I was even going to Philadelphia. And in 2004, Dutch invited me to go to Philadelphia. He says, I want you to proclaim freedom. I want you to ring that bell and cry out freedom for our nation. And so I told him, I said, I don't know that I can do this. I said, I've been on a, a nine-city tour in seven days. And um, kind of like what we've been on recently. And um, I said, I'm tired. And he says, well, just pray about it. So I went to the computer, looked at the price of tickets. They were $222. I knew Dutch's scripture was Isaiah 22:22. So I said, God must want us to go. We got the tickets. I called the car companies. I said, do you have any Jeep Liberties on the lot? They said, no, we don't carry Jeep Liberty. I called Hertz, National. I called all of them, Dollar, every one of them. None of them had Jeep Liberties. When we arrived in Philadelphia that wet day and went to the Dollar car lot, guess what was sitting on the car lot? A Jeep Liberty. Guess what? when it had arrived that morning before we got there? And they rented us the Jeep Liberty just like ours. We drove down to where the Liberty Bell is in Philadelphia and get there, and it's a long corridor before you get to the Liberty Bell. And you got us supposed to go and read every one of these things, you know. And so... Cheryl says, let's read all this stuff about the Liberty Bell. And so we read, and I said, I'm reading for about 15 minutes, and I said, I am tired of this. I want to go touch the Liberty Bell. And so she says, no, you got to read it because it would be more meaningful when you do touch it. <laughs> so I read another 10 minutes. I mean, it's a long corridor of stuff. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I said, you just come when you can. I'm going to touch the Liberty Bell. So I get down to the, the Liberty Bell, and there's this park ranger standing there, and there's hundreds of people all around this thing. And it's roped off, and he's saying there, he's standing in front of it there. He's saying, don't touch the Liberty Bell. 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 So I just walk around it praying in tongues. And, uh, and then finally, about 30 minutes later, she gets there. I said, did you read all that stuff? She said, no, I just got tired of reading it. <laughs> and she, she, she hears this park ranger. Don't touch the Liberty Bell. She said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to touch it. <laughs> I, have a, I have a saying. It's easier to get forgiveness than it is permission. So uh, it always works for me. 
And, uh, and so while he's busy telling everybody not to touch his liberty bell, there's this much room between the rope and him. And I slipped right in behind him. He never knew I was there. And I reached out and I touched the liberty bell. And God gave me an impartation of freedom and liberty for this nation. And that's why I have such a strong heart for this nation, to see God come into it. And if you don't, if you've never been there, go. Leviticus 25.10 is inscribed on that liberty bell. And that night, we picked Dutch up at the hotel. We went to the church, and it was an old, old Episcopal church, hewn stone, floors, walls. And the only thing that was wood was the rafters and the pews. And there was a worship team kind of like what you have up here. And, I mean, the sound was just bouncing everywhere. And, and it was 90 degrees in Philadelphia in, the, in August, and it was, this church was not air-conditioned. And there's a thousand people inside. And I told Dutch, I said, Dutch, who got this church for you? He said, I don't know, but he said, it looks like they blew it. I said, they did blow it, man. I said, can you imagine doing a meeting in this place? So they take us back to a green room in the back of the church. And the Episcopals, they don't have pastors. They have rectors, I think is what you call them. And I walk up to this rector and I said, what's the history on this um, on this church? Remember the US-1 thing I told you about? US-1 used to be called the King's Highway. It goes all the way to Fort Kent, Maine. He said, this church sits on the original King's Highway where George Washington fought a battle for freedom. Now, how can God just be more clear in what he's called me to do? Listen. We're going to have to begin chronicling our prophetic words, and I hope that you chronicle your prophetic words so that you can begin to war with them. Because there's a very important scripture here. Go back to that scripture, 1 Timothy 1.18. Very important word here that's talking about the prophecies previously made. There we go. Or where it says, went before, in the King James Version. This is a Greek word, proago. It's very, very clear. It's very important that you get this. These are the two most important words, command and previously made or went before. The, went, the, the two words went before is actually in the Greek is one word, proago. And it literally means this, a, before or forth, and a go meaning to go and lead or to go before and to lead when others follow. To go before, to proceed in time. Now this is very important because what happens when a prophetic word comes to us is that God launches it into the future of our destiny. It's launched into our future. And it, you, you, we can't look at future just on a linear scale. You have to look at future as being a cycle. And not a linear scale because God operates in cycles. He doesn't operate linearly. And so when we get into this cycle of prophecy coming to us, we have to also move into a cycle of warring over the prophecies previously made. Because that proago word means that that word goes before and it actually goes into the future of your destiny. 
Now what happens is that many people never get into the place where their prophecy is fulfilled because they do not go into the next cycle after prophecy comes and that's worrying over the prophecy. Remember Bill, he worked hard to get where he was. Which means he warred in order to get to that place where he's making that kind of money. I have another friend. His name is Weston Clark. He lives in Colorado. He is a, uh, he's a hunting guide. He's an uh, outdoor man. He has a program on the outdoor. Do y'all get the outdoor channel here? He has a program that comes on the outdoor channel called Higher Ground. And he came to me when I first met him in Colorado. We went on an elk hunt together. He said, God has put into my heart to have a television program and, and, and to, for it to be a ministry instead of just a TV program. And I'm telling you, his TV program is a ministry. He says, I want you to war with me because it's going to take hundreds of thousands of dollars a month to do this. And he was making at that time maybe a hundred thousand a year. So we went into war over these prophecies, and he and his wife every day take 20 minutes out of their day to bring their prophecies before the Lord and war over their prophecies every day of their life. Today, he is literally living in that realm that he was prophesied to and that God had put in his heart, but six years ago, it was not coming to pass. It was not there. Now he, now he has, uh, Realtree, his sponsors. Um, Matthew's bows are his sponsors. And he's literally has a program. Listen to this. He has a program that finds people who need a honey makeover. He got this from home makeover. <laughs> and what he's done, he's taken guys who have come back from Af Afghanistan, come back from Iraq, firefighters out of New York City who were heroes in New York. People that nobody knows about. He gives them the hunt of a lifetime that they've always wanted to go on. And they put it on television. And these guys, some of them come to the Lord. I mean, they do this right. He had Toby Keith give the guy one hunt. The guitar, I mean, the uh, country music guy, give the hunt away to one guy in one of the concerts. I mean, they fix this thing up right. And they had the whole concert on, on the television and everything. But see, six years ago, this guy had none of this. What I'm saying to you is that God has launched a word of promise into your future. And if you will war over it, if you'll go to war through worship, go to war through intercession, go to war through reminding God of these prophecies, beat the devil off of it because he doesn't want you to have it, your future is going to come to pass quicker. You see what God promised you? doesn't have to be 10 years down the road. Remember, God is not in linear time. It's a cycle. When we get that prophetic cycle, immediately after that cycle, we need to move into the cycle of war to begin activating those prophetic words. Amen. Are you getting this? And when this thing, when this word is launched into your future, as you war over it, you begin hastening your destiny. Instead of it, and see, this is the thing. There's somebody here, God's saying you're supposed to be writing books. Who is that? Yeah. Who, who's supposed to be writing books in here? Okay. One, two, three, four, five. How many of you are writing? Got a couple of them that are writing. Okay, listen to this. 
Yes, Lord, I hear you too. <laughs> Listen to this. I passed a graveyard coming by here. And that graveyard is full of people that have unfulfilled destinies. They went to their grave and didn't write that book, didn't publish it. Maybe they put it on paper. Songs that are to be written and sung are back in that graveyard. Some of those men and women back there were supposed to be doctors. Some of them were supposed to be statesmen, stateswomen in government. Some of them were supposed to be, you know, going in a shuttle to space station. They never fulfilled that. They went to their grave. Some, you know, a lot of them saved. But they went to their grave with unfulfilled callings and destinies. Does that keep them out of heaven? No. But it keeps them from doing what God called them to do on this earth while they're here. And that's what I'm focusing on. While I'm here, I want to fulfill. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles real quick to Acts 13. And I got to. Verse 22. This is one of my favorite scriptures. He's first talking about Saul, and then he talks about David. And after he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified. This is God testifying of David. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. Two things I want to point out there. David was a man who ran after God. He said, this is a man who is after me. He's after my heart. He's chasing me. I told somebody the other day, I said, I should have written the book, God Chaser. Uh, you know, God Chaser by Tommy Tenney. That book, have you, have you read that? I should have wrote that book. Because I've been chasing after God all of my life. Now, why didn't I do? Now, notice the second part of that verse. He said, he will do all of my will. Why didn't I write that book? The other day, I mean, not the other day, but a couple of years ago, God gave me a revelation of the open heaven out of, uh, out of, out of the Laodicean church of all things. And, uh, I don't have time to go into the whole story, but God showed me a, a picture of open heaven and how that you, not God, are the one who opens the heavens. And so, you want to hear this? Okay. I need to finish this first. Because what I want to get you into is to doing all of the will of God. Then I'll talk about the open heaven. I want to get you to fulfill in your destiny. See, God has a destiny on Jessup. He has a destiny on this house. But it's up to you to fulfill it. It's not up to Him. He's already released a destiny in the future. It's already there. It's waiting on you and I to begin to war, to see that activated, to begin to strategize to see it activated, to begin to connect with the right people, to see it activated. See, the reason that Keith and I are connecting, there's some place in our destiny that God says, I'm going to align you because we need each other to fulfill the destiny that God has placed on us. Yeah, go ahead. No doubt in my mind, I'm supposed to be married to this woman here. No done in my mind. I started borrowing paper from her in the 10th grade, typing paper. 
And when I found out she continually gave me typing paper, I never did buy anything the whole school year. Because it was in my destiny to be married to her. She taught, she was raised with five brothers. She taught me how to fight. I want you to go with me to verse 36. Another thing about David that God is testifying of him. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his generation, fell asleep and had it and laid among his fathers and underwent decay. What I want you to see is the first part of this. That David, after he had served the purpose of God in his generation, then he was able, he, he died and went and lay down with his fathers. See, I want to ask you the question that I ask myself every day. Are you fulfilling the will of God in your generation? Those prophecies God has given you, it is up to you, not God, to see those come to pass. I don't know where Pastor went, but I'm not going to go to this Lord to see. There he comes until he gets back. See, it's up to you to fulfill the will of God in your generation. See, the first generation that came out of Egypt did not fulfill the will of God. They did not get into Canaan land. They fell short of God's will. And God raised up the Joshua generation. And then Joshua, at, Joshua took them in. He was around, he was past 60 when he took his generation in to the Canaan land. Caleb took his mountain at 80 years old. Ken, do not believe this thing about old guys. We can take it, man. We can take the mountains of Jessup, Georgia. We just have to have a mentality. We've, we've got to get rid of this Doris Day mentality. I hate that song she wrote. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Que sera, sera. You remember that song? I hate that song with a passion. There's another song that I hate. Is a song that has gone through the church called One Day at a Time, Sweet Jesus. It says, I'm only human. And I despise that song because it's copping us out of our destiny. It keeps us, it, it brings us into a place of not being the warrior that God has called us to be. And it brings us into a place where we're just surviving. God wants us to be more than survivors. Amen. He wants us to be warriors. I preached a message years ago called moving from survival to revival. And what it takes to get there. Because, listen to what I'm saying, survivors usually don't move into revival. Revival. They usually just stay survivors and they're just glad that they didn't die. Aren't you glad you didn't die over the last 10 years? There have been some rough times over the last 10 years. Think about it. But why, why would God let us go through that season so rough so that we could be equipped and be warriors for the new season that's ahead. Now go with me to Revelation 3, and I'm going to show you about this open heaven. But now here's what, here's what happened. I'm talking about doing the will of God. God gives me revelation on the open heaven out of Laodicea. And I'm blown away by this. And so several years ago, I was doing monthly meetings in Central Florida called Transformation Florida. I'd have people like Dutch and Chuck and John Kilpatrick. This time I was having Jim Gall in. And on the way to the meeting that night, Jim Gall says to me, he says, I've got fresh revelation 
about the open heaven out of the Laodicea church. And I said, Jim, you won't believe this, but I have fresh revelation about the open heaven out of Laodicea church. He says, don't tell me. So after the meeting was over and he preached my word that I had, we talked about it afterwards. And then guess what? He goes and writes a book about it. He goes and he does all of the will of God. He writes my book. Thomas Tenney wrote my book. Jim Gall's written my book. And here's what I'm saying. Remember, God found a man after his own heart who will do all of his will. See, I've just been doing part of it. Are you getting this? All of his will. So now here's Thomas Tenney. Made millions off the book God Chasers. It should have been a book with titled God Chasers, author Ken Malone. But it wasn't. It was entitled Tommy Tenney. There's another book by Jim Gall. I don't remember the name of it. But it's about the open heaven out of the Laodicea church. It's got Jim Gall's name on it. Here's, here's another point I need to make to you. If you, won't, if you won't do what God has called you to do in Jessup, He will find somebody else in Jessup to do it. Because he so wants to get his will done, he's not going to wait on you. Doesn't mean you won't be saved. Doesn't mean you won't go to heaven. But he's just not going to wait on you. He's just going to go on and do it. So we've got to get some things done. Now look with me. I had a visitation from the Lord when I got this download. And in this visitation, God woke me up at 1.30 in the morning and said, I need to know if you'll give your whole life to the whole state of Florida. And I am not religious with the Lord. I talk to him like I would talk to you or talk to my wife, Cheryl. I said, can't we discuss this over coffee in the morning? It is 1.30 a.m. I literally did. And he said, he said, no, I need to know right now if you give your whole life to the whole state of Florida. And I told him again, I said, we have already talked about this. He said, there's some things I want to do for you that I can't do, and I'm going to do them tonight unless you give me an answer. So I said, okay, I will, Lord. He said, I want to, I want to teach you how to see the way heaven sees. He said, in the earth you see three-dimensionally, and you react to what you see. I immediately thought of taking my kids to Epcot and watching the 3D Muppet movie. You ever been there to Epcot and watched that? They have these, they have these rats that run across the screen that look like they're right in front of you, and you literally feel air. They have air under the seats, and it blows on your, on your ankles and on the cuff of your pants or whatever you've got on, and you feel like rats are running by you, and people will lift their feet and scream. They literally will. Did you do that? <laughs> and they have this little creature that spits water out of the screen at the end of the movie and water literally there's those little spouts spits in your face water spits in your face and you react to that or when God said in the earth you act three dimensionally you see three dimensionally you react to it I immediately thought of how we knee jerked in this movie he says but heaven sees seven dimensionally so which one, and, and he said, we respond to what we see. So how do you want to see the way you see on earth or the way you see in, we see in heaven? I said, well, of course the way you see in heaven, Lord. He said, okay then. He said, these seven dimensions are going to be found in the seven churches of Revelation, and the last will be first. So by this time it's 2 a.m. I'm wide awake. 
So I get my Bible, and I get my lexicons, and I go in my den, and I just open it up, and I say, Lord, begin to show me. Now, the visitation at this point is over. Now it's work. I've got to find out what he's talking to me about. So I start reading in Ephesus. You've left your first love, repent, do the first works. I said, okay, that's number one. I go to go through all the churches. I hit Thyatira. Uh, you've tolerated Jezebel. I said, okay, no toleration. I know that one. Get to the Laodicean church, and I said, you know, here they are. They're lukewarm, and I said, they're supposed to uh, repent and be zealous and buy gold refined in fire and eye salve and white garments that they may be clothed. And, and all of a sudden, I realized that none of that is revelation. All of that is what... I have preached on before. I said, I'm not getting this. I'll read through all the seven of the churches again. Get to Ephesus, and then I cry out to God. I said, God, I'm not getting this. I'm, I'm, I'm going by rote what I've preached before. Show me what you, how you want me to see. And so I remember that he said the last would be first. So I went to the church of Laodicea, and I purposely this time went through these scriptures and made myself not think about the lukewarm church. And I get down to verse 20, and this is what I saw. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And when I read this, it jumped out on me, and he said the first way that you see the way heaven sees and the first key to opening the door of heaven is intimacy. It's the first dimension of seeing the way heaven sees. And see, a guy like me, I am very uh, driven for results. When, we, when we're getting ready to do a project, I don't look at the stuff in the beginning. I look at the end first. What's it going to look like at the end? And then I can back up and begin doing that. And that's why I was having problems because I'm so goal-oriented and so driven that way. God is saying to me and he's saying to us, if you want to have an open heaven, the first thing you've got to have is intimacy. Hello? If you're going to see the way heaven sees, the way that you get there is through intimacy. Not just in church on Sunday morning, but it becomes an everyday thing that you become intimate with the Lord on a regular basis. Are you with me? And if you read on down, we won't read on down, but you go into verse chapter 4, verse 1. Now remember when this was written, it was not in chapter and verses. So he's going on down to verse 1. Remember we just said... And also, by the way, in verse 20, I've got to tell you, it says, if he hears my voice and opens the door, talking about you, not about him. If you're hearing the voice of the Lord in Jessup, you can open the door of heaven. I need to say that again. If you can hear the voice of the Lord that he's speaking over Jessup, Georgia, you can open the doors of heaven over Jessup. There's something here also that God says, and uh, where's the worship leader at? When you, when you started in that healing song, and you started saying, if anybody here needs healing, just reach out and receive it. There's something that is deposited in the uh, destiny of this region for healing. This region is one of its destinies is to be a healing region. And if you'll begin doing healing meetings and send healing teams out, 
you'll start seeing manifestations of healing. If you don't do that, you won't see them because you have to engage that. I'm prophesying to you right now and giving you strategy for doing that. If you just go ahead and take a step of faith, you'll see it happen in Jesus' name. Look with me in chapter 4, verse 1. After these things, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. There it is. Remember verse 20 says, If he hears my voice and opens unto me, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. And then you go down to chapter 4, verse 1. You get there and all of it. And, and just don't think about eschatology right now. Get that out of your thinking right now. You go to chapter 4, verse 1, and all of a sudden you hit there and he says, Behold, I looked up and there was a door standing open in heaven. You could say it like this. If you're hearing the word of the Lord over Jessup, Georgia, you could hear that word and you could say, Behold, I looked and I saw a door standing open in the heavens over Jessup. And the Lord's saying to me, Come up here. Because there's some things I want to show you about this city and about this region and why I, why I put this city on the map. This city was placed here by God, not by the devil. And there's a redemptive purpose of why God wants it here. What does Jessup mean anyway? Anybody know? It's a guy's name. We need to find out what his name means. Because there may be, there could be some prophetic destiny as to this. Jessup's one of them. Turned away how? Okay. So there was a battle then. Okay. Skirmish. I guess he was just tired of fighting at that point because he could have if he wanted to. So it could have been the Lord that turned him away. So if you can hear the word of the Lord over this region, you can open the door of heaven over this region. And too many times we're anticipating asking God to do it. He wants us to do it. Look at somebody and say, He wants you to do it. He wants you to do it. He wants you to open the heavens over where you work. Anybody here work at the paper mill I saw coming in? Used to. I got, they, I got very familiar when I passed by that because I worked at one in Alabama for 10 years and, uh, smelt like home. <laughs> Let me get the worship team to come up here because I just want to get some things activated. Do you, do you have a list of prophecies that God's given this house and that He's given this region? That's right. Uh, and isn't that something? Jehovah increases. I'd forget about that guy who it's named after, and I'd go after that right there. <laughs> Comes up with me. And we just read that. We just read that. That is awesome. 